Hello and welcome. You are listening to Onshow, the Louvre Abu Dhabi podcast that takes you on a tour. Today, we invite you to dive into the heart of the exhibition Impressionism Pathways to Modernity with the curators of this exceptional show, Sylvie Patry and Stéphane Guégan. For the first time in the United Arab Emirates, we are lucky enough to welcome more than 120 masterpieces from the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Manet, Monet, Renoir, Morisot, Caillebotte, Cézanne and many others, they are all gathered at the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Through their paintings, we will explore the history of this revolutionary artistic movement born in Paris in 1874, which has changed the history of art and the status of artists until today. Sylvie Patry, Stéphane Guégan, thank you very much for taking us through this exceptional exhibition today. The exhibition title is Impressionism, Pathways to Modernity. Pathways is in the plural form. So Sylvie, can you tell us a bit about the choice of this title and what maybe the visitor can expect when they will discover the exhibition? Hello and uh, welcome to the show. We are very pleased to visit this exhibition in your company. Pathways, we choose a plural form because we wanted to show how diverse Impressionism was at the end of the 19th century. The diversity was among the different artists, but also within each artist's career. The exhibition spans more than 50 years of French painting. And uh, what we wanted to... Uh, Tell also the story we wanted to tell is also a story of reaction and diversity in terms of reaction to a world which is changing dramatically in the 19th century. And uh, from the mid-19th century up to the beginning of the 20th century, we can say that France is directing towards an industrialist society. So this is a time where there is this revolution in industry, the revolution in terms of transportation. The train was born in the 19th century, so you could join Paris to the Normandy coast, for instance. Also, I mean, this is the birth of large cities. And uh, during the 19th century, Paris increased a lot. So you said it through the expansion of the railways, the world is more connected, there is this idea of uh, speed and changes, and so this group of the Impressionists face these changes and uh, are influenced by it. They face these changes, they are, for some of them, part of these changes, mm -hmm. and for some of them they will embrace these changes and they will consider that art is about what happens uh, around them. So they want to get out from the studio and they want really to embrace this new speed, this uh, new connected world. What we want to show also, it's quite nuanced because some of them will really, such as Monet in the 1870s, will choose modernity as a centerpiece of their inspiration, but other ones, such as Renoir, for instance, will be quite critical towards, you know, this new modern world and a bit nostalgic of the old world. So it's very nuanced and it's uh, that's why also I think that Impressionism speaks to us today because we are facing so many, many changes in our world. And I mean, sometimes we don't really know how to navigate and this was the same for the, yeah. for the painters themselves. How did you structure the path of the exhibition? We wanted the visitors to take a trip, a journey through uh, more than 50 years of uh, French art. We divided this uh, journey into 17 
stops in a way, yeah. 17 sec sections. <laughs> uh, and we wanted to open the show with two major works, one by Manet, The Balcony, another one by Monet, Woman uh, in the Garden, just to create a kind of shock, emotional shock, and to show, I mean, two pathways, in a sense, when the artist at the end of the, the 1860s started to uh, embrace this modernity. We're standing in the introduction room of the exhibition, and in front of us we have these two iconic masterpieces from Orsay Museum. It's like uh, two contenders. <laughs> Claude Monet on our right, with Women in the Garden, dated from uh, 1866. And on our left, we have Edouard Manet, with the balcony from 1868. We have uh, first on our left uh, the balcony with these three figures in the frame of a window separated from us by this railway from the balcony. They're in this narrow space, forming a kind of a triangle with the man in the back standing, slightly turned to our right, and two women in front of him, one that is seated, uh, resting her elbow on the railway of the balcony, looking to the left, and the other one that is standing next to her with uh, her face facing us. She's the only one really looking at us, and yet her face is kind of, her gaze is maybe a bit mm. blurred. So we don't know exactly what's happening. Maybe they're looking at the people in the street, which we're now part of, in a way. And on the other side, we have Monet, which is clearly uh, showing an outdoor uh, activity in outdoor uh, view. The garden takes actually a big space on this gigantic painting. I need to stress on this. It's a painting that's two meter and 50 high, a two meter wide. So these four women are placed all around a tree in a kind of carousel with a variety of attitude. And yet they seem uh, somewhat similar because they're all dressed in the same fashion with this big, puffy white dress and uh, carrying this activity, uh, outdoor activity, uh, picking flowers. So, um, Sylvie, what drove your decision to bring those two pieces together? What brings them together? What separates them? I mean, many, many reasons for this confrontation. The first is we wanted people to feel the similarities. So it's, uh, as you said, I mean, it's uh, two modern scenes with modern sitters. I mean, we have uh, fashionable women in both paintings. We have light, the colors are vivid, are bright. So it, it means a lot, I mean, in terms of what the impressionism is going to, to be and how it's going to be perceived by the public. But we also wanted to enhance the differences, differences in terms of generation. For instance, Manet is the elder. Manet never took part in the Impressionist exhibitions. He's 10 years he's, older he's, he's than 10 Monet. years, absolutely. He's 10 years older than Monet. And so Manet started his career at the end of the 1850s, and Monet started in the mid-1860s. So uh, for Monet, Manet was somebody to challenge, in a way. Uh, and there is a similarity uh, between their two names, which was um, very upsetting for Manet, uh, <laughs> because sometimes he had the feeling that Monet would take benefit from, you know, being named Monet versus Manet. So, and critics would make uh, confusion sometimes in some articles. So this is for the similarities, modern life, light, vivid colors. But if you take a closer look, I mean, with Manet, you are in an urban setting. 
with Monet, you are clearly in, in a garden. And uh, the destinies of the two paintings is also very different. The balcony was uh, put on view and accepted at the Salon, which was the official annual exhibition at the time in 1869, whereas the Femme au Jardin, the woman in the garden, were rejected by the jury in 1867. And indeed, so, we will uh, talk many times about this hidden character, which is the salon, which uh, we will actually encounter in the middle of the exhibition. It actually tells us a lot about the taste at the time from different parts of uh, the artistic scene, and we'll come back to it. So we will start our journey through time, moving to the next section. We'll cross one section that is really dedicated to Manet to go directly in the next one, which is named Desires for Modernity. Stéphane, when we enter into this uh, section, which is characterized by this green shade that we find on the floor and that continue onto the wall and that we find in some of the paintings around us, we're actually welcomed by a gallery of portraits, women mostly, and the centerpiece of this display is uh, to our right, this uh, very big painting by Carole Durand, titled uh, Woman with the Glove, which is in the center of a very wide showcase that is presenting actually dresses very similar to the one that she is wearing in the painting. So, Stéphane, what is the reason, what is maybe the relation between this important space that you gave to fashion, especially women fashion in this section, and the title, which is A Desire for Modernity? Because for painters and, and writers, there was a, a crucial relationship between fashion world and modernity. They both graph the spirit of the time. They both graph what modernity was about. Because, um, as we previously said, the period was marked by a sort of acceleration of everything. And fashion itself is a symbol of that. But it's also the symbol of the new attitude, the new behaviors, the new social structures, the new way of representing oneself in the street, in society. It's also the very idea of the modern beauty, which seemed symbolized, embodied by the fashion world. We have already seen in Manet and Monet painting at the entrance, some women elegantly dressed in white. It's the opposite in the case of uh, uh, Carolus Durand because uh, he presented this painting at the Salon of 1869, so the very Salon of the balcony. And we're looking at his, um, his wife and uh, she's wearing a black dress. It's a mix-up of uh, silk and velvet. I mean, it's a very expensive dress, and it's, it was supposed to represent, uh, you know, the upper middle class. The other thing which uh, strikes us is the way Carolus Durand gives us the impression that she's passing by. She's not in a permanent state. I mean, she's passing by. She's walking through her apartment. Mm. We can imagine that. And uh, she's looking at us, you know, in passing by. That's really modern. Well, the painters what we're talking about come from the middle class, upper middle class in, in the case of Manet and even the upper, upper middle class in, in the case of Caillebotte. But they all came from the middle class. So we want to represent what was their, their life, even their domestic life in their paintings. And because it was also a way to, to meet the public expectations, because the art market was already full of portraits, scènes de genre, and so images of the present time. And they just want to refresh this 
trend. We want to introduce aesthetic modernity into average uh, subject matters. So let's now discover the next section yes. and encounter some of the protagonists sure. of this uh, group. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we will stand by this very big group painting presenting a group of uh, eight men. Two of them are sitting in the center. One is painting, one is posing, and the six others seem to be either looking at what's happening in front of them or looking directly at us. The painting name is a workshop in the Batignol, and the painter is Henri Fantin Latour. But first, what are the Batignol exactly? <laughs> well, it's, um, it's in the north of Paris, it's a district in yeah. the north of Paris, where painters lived or uh, had studios. So, uh, Stéphane, who are these men in this painting? Mm. Fontaine Latour, the one who, who did this, was a close friend of Manet, and Manet is at the center. Uh, as we already said, he is the eldest. He's the one who, in a way, opened the path because he, he started to make a name of, of him in, in the early 60s. And he's, uh, he's represented as a, as a portraitist. We see him walking on a portrait of Zachary Struck. Which is the man sitting in front yes, of him. Yes, he was a poet and an art critic. And around this couple, Fantin introduced some actors of the, um, the French modernity. Um, so let's name us, uh, some of them. Yes. Uh, we know that there is Renoir, is which Renoir. is uh, somewhat framed within the frame Absolutely. represented in the Behind Basile. Basile is the very, is the tallest. Is the tallest. On our right, and between Renoir and Basile, we have also a famous French writer. Yes, Emile Zola. Emile Zola. Emile Zola, Emile Zola who uh, since 1866 took the, um, uh, wrote about the salon and, and, mm. and, and so the painting. He's a major player in and that uh, it, it was Yes, he supported the newcomers. And maybe uh, hidden right behind uh, Basile, uh, I think we have Monet. Monet is, is in the back, absolutely, uh, looking at us. So it's collective portraits of the newcomers. I mean, we exist now as a school, a sort of school, but there's a great diversity between them in terms of aesthetic, in terms of personal strategies. And as Sylvie said previously, Manet, for instance, uh, never joined the Impressionist group. So let's now turn to our right. We will turn around this cubic section, which is uh, containing a graphic arts uh, cabinet. What strikes me here is that the, the, the space is very wide, very bright. The color on the floors also changed. We have this uh, pink uh, beige color, and it really embraces the lights that we find in the paintings, especially in the landscape that we'll discover next. Sylvie, we're in front of this uh, section called The Love of Landscape. Can you tell us who are the artists we are looking at and what was maybe their relation with nature? So on this wall, which is very bright and uh, a very beautiful uh, wall, we have displayed seven works by seven different artists and artists from different generations. We wanted to mix the so-called Barbizon School with the younger generation, with the soon-to-be impressionist um, painters. Barbizon is 
uh, this uh, little village uh, nearby Paris, just on the outskirts of Paris. Absolutely. And uh, uh, it was at the time uh, really a center for open air painting. So that's why you see so many, many uh, trees. And uh, this is really a new take on nature. And the Barbizon painters, such as Corot, uh, Diaz, etc., they really paved the way to the Impressionist uh, younger generation. Impressionist painters are known also to work outside in the open air, or at least partly, maybe we'll talk about it later. How was this maybe older generation working in comparison? So they worked in a quite traditional way. Uh, so they, they studied out in open air and outdoors, but they painted the finished canvas in the studio. But what the Impressionists will um, draw from this generation, I think it's first the very close relationship with the motive, with, with nature. It's also the fact that landscapes can, you know, uh, be um, uh, bankable, if, if I can say, <laughs> on the art market, because all these previous generation, I mean, they had quite hard times in the 1830s, but in the 1860s, 70s, uh, these landscapes would uh, really, really attract a lot of collectors, and they uh, fetched very high prices on the art market. And you have to, to think that at the time, I mean, the 1860s, 1870s, uh, it's also the moment when the art market is really Uh, shaping is really uh, uh, strengthening. So uh, the artist would try to build their career with the salon, but also with the dealers. I so think it's very it's crucial to, to, to keep in mind, indeed, that being an artist is not just for fun. <laughs> It is a profession, and those men and women were working to make a living as well. And so the influence of the art market maybe on their production is actually very interesting to, to consider. It's, it's really interesting and it's a, it's a very pressing matter for the Impressionist group because for the first time in the history of art, there will be a, an encounter between a group of uh, artists and a specific art dealer. Uh, his name is uh, Paul Durand-Ruel. And uh, Paul Durand-Ruel is, uh, is, will really change the role of, uh, of the art market and uh, what a dealer, an art dealer, is, uh, you know, in this new uh, artistic world. For uh, Paul Durand-Ruel, a dealer is, uh, has to uh, think, you know, uh, out of the box, as we say today. He has to discover uh, artists in order to buy them when they are quite cheap and then to uh, build a market and to, you know, make profit for himself and for the artist. Um, so he would really contribute to this um, identity of the Impressionist group. And I'd like to move directly, actually, to our next artwork. We'll cross the section that is dedicated to the seaside, and we'll cross as well a section that is dedicated specifically to Pissarro and Cézanne and the Pontoise group, which was a bit specific, to look at another beautiful snowy landscape by uh, Claude Monet. It's the magpie. So Sylvie, uh, we are standing in front of this masterpiece of uh, our collection, uh, The Magpie by Claude Monet. It is this uh, snowy landscape in the French countryside. Um, what is revolutionary about this piece uh, of Claude Monet? So this is really a masterpiece from our collection and one of our most uh, beloved uh, 
painting in the, in the collection. The magpie was painted by Monet uh, at the end of the 1860s, and uh, it's a quite large canvas. I mean, so it shows you we are in Normandy, but you, you cannot really see that it's Normandy. And he painted through the window this uh, snowy landscape. What is revolutionary and very new uh, at the time is first the sketchy handling and the, the work on the white. You have many, many different colors. I mean, you can see the brushwork, which is quite visible, and you can see hints of uh, uh, nuances of pink, of blue. The shadow is, uh, is uh, bluish as well, uh, which is very new. And the, the way the, the landscape is composed uh, is quite flat. There is no real background. You can really, you cannot really, you know, um, uh, walk into the composition. I mean, there is this uh, very simple composition with the hands, with trees, with the snow. And uh, it's very much inspired by uh, Japanese prints as well, uh, which were uh, quite popular in Europe and which uh, were collected by the Impressionist painters and uh, Monet would later in his life uh, constitute uh, uh, quite significant collections of uh, Japanese prints. It reminds us that this world in the 19th century is connected and the, the access of the painters to these Japanese prints is a testimony of that. And I wanted to talk about the title of this uh, section. It's called Impressions, Nature and Seasons around 1874. We're really at the, the, the verge of this famous year, what's happening? So the very late uh, years of the 1860s and the very beginning of the 1870s are really a turning point. The Impressionist exhibition will take place in 1874, but the story starts before. And at the time, I mean, it's really the moment when, uh, for instance, an artist such as Monet is changing his um, uh, creative process. In the mid-1860s, he would paint a sketch in open air, and then he would translate the sketch in the studio into a larger canvas when it deals with um, uh, landscape. Here, with the magpie and with other compositions of the time, he really worked uh, on the spot, uh, even if it was inside uh, through a window. This is probably the case with the magpie. Uh, he wanted to... Uh, to capture this impression. What do I feel when I'm in front of this landscape, of this snowy uh, landscape? What is really what I'm looking at? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a first step towards impressionism. It's really the birth of, the, of this new aesthetic. So let's move on now to the next section, which is the center of the exhibition. Stéphane, when we enter this space, it is a shock for the eyes, it's an aesthetic shock, it's a shock of colors, it's a shock of scenography. Uh, what is this spectacular display that we're looking at? Uh, we are one of the biggest rooms here with a confrontation between the, the official salon, a very, very conservative space, and the first impressionist show. So they, they both opened at the beginning of 1874. Uh, so our intention was to recreate the official uh, salon. The term salon was coined after a space in the Louvre where the salon uh, was located for a long time. But in 1874, um, the, 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 the salon took place in, a, in, a, in another building uh, close to the Champs-Élysées. And it was a huge building because it had to receive 
something like four uh, uh, thousands of works. The salon was, was the showcase of the contemporary art. I mean, it was open to, uh, to any artist, man or woman, who... Um, French or... French or, yes, French uh, or foreigner, uh, uh, who, who just wanted to, um, to show uh, their, their works. But it, the, the, the works had to be submitted to a jury. And the jury was composed by uh, members of the administration, artists, uh, sometimes art critics. And, for instance, at the Salon, the most praised painting uh, by the art critics, and, and especially the conservative ones, were the, what we call uh, history painting. So religious or eric uh, subject matters. We hang two examples of that in this, in this room. Uh, this painting by Humbert and, and the other by uh, Henri Lévy. And, but you, you, you also uh, were able to find at the Salon big landscapes like this one, and Antoine Guillemet was a friend of Manet. In terms of subject, there was no um, limits, no limits. There were no rules. And the dominant genre, the dominating genre, were uh, the portraits and the landscapes. Let's now look at the second part of this display, which is the first impressionist exhibition. And we're lucky to have some of the paintings, some of the works that were actually in the first impressionist exhibition, especially one uh, to completely to our right. But first, uh, Sylvie, how the um, impressionists uh, distinguished themselves from the Salon? What, uh, what were their revendications? So the revendication, the reason why they organized this first impressionist uh, show uh, in April 1874 was really to uh, master, they wanted to master their careers. Uh, when they were displaying works of the Salon, they were uh, sometimes rejected, sometimes accepted, so they wanted really to take control. So this is a, a society of artists which is created at the end of the 1873. This is not the first time artists group themselves to organize independent shows, but this is uh, done here uh, in 1874 in a quite different manner uh, because uh, there will be a connection, a conjunction between uh, an independent organization and a new aesthetic, which is going to be uh, pointed out by the press of the time, uh, because the first, this very first impressionist exhibition in April 1874 was a mix of very different artists. They were not what we consider today the impressionist artist only. And the name of impressionism, the name that we know them for now, was not the name that they were giving to themselves. So it was used by a critic. Uh, during the show to criticize and to uh, reject Impressionism. It means that uh, uh, the Impressionists were painters with, who did not really compose and reflect uh, and had a really uh, artistic sense, but they would satisfy themselves with a very uh, superficial uh, take on nature and take on reality. I mean, the, the, the title of the, of the exhibition was uh, an exhibition of uh, a group of artists. I mean, it was uh, a very neutral names mm -hmm. without any aesthetic statement. And uh, actually, I mean, there were uh, more than 30 artists um, who took part in to this first Impressionist show. And now, I mean, the Impressionist group, uh, historically uh, understood now, is made of uh, seven artists. So from 30 <laughs> okay. to seven. And there were more than uh, 150 works displayed uh, at the Impressionist group. So it's different strategy from the Salon. It's uh, a will to take 
control. Uh, it's uh, it's also, I mean, it's organized, there is no jury. So uh, once you are a member of the group, you can just display as many works as you want. You are not limited to one work. It was the case at the Salon. And it was also displayed in a very different way. And this is what we wanted to show in this exhibition as well. You have a clear-cut separation between the red wall of the Salon section and at the, in the Salon section, the paintings are Joe to Joe. I mean, they are packed on the, on the wall as they were at the Salon. And the, the order at the Salon was an alphabetical order, and then uh, it was uh, displayed according uh, formats, so a very, you know, technical, non-artistic way of okay. uh, uh, showcasing <laughs> and displaying works. Uh, the Impressionists wanted the exhibition to be installed in, on one row so that you can really see the works. So this is quite important. That's, we have really repeated this presentation and we wanted to make a very strong contrast between the two sections. In a sense, uh, this display from the Impressionist exhibition seemed very modern to our contemporary eyes, but at the time it was a first. At the time, it was quite new, yes, to uh, to display the works on a single, on one row. Even if you look at collectors' uh, interiors, they, they loved, uh, and it's a case until the beginning of the 20th century, most of them loved, you know, uh, having the, the walls covered with painting from the from floor ceiling to ceiling. To the floor. Yes, <laughs> so, it's, uh, so it's quite new. And what is new also is some of the works which were on view at the first Impressionist exhibition. So let's look at the one that is completely to our right, uh, The Cradle by Berthe Morisot. It's quite a special artwork. It's the only artwork by a woman artist in the show today, in 2022. But it's also one of the few uh, artwork by a woman artist at the time in 1874. Yes, so Berthe Morisot was uh, uh, really close to Manet, Degas, and all this artistic milieu uh, which was starting to break the ground in the late 1860s, and she took part in the first Impressionist exhibition. She's from a very uh, bourgeois background, so it was very courageous at the time because a woman of this uh, social uh, background would not uh, practice art in a professional way. And she will take part into uh, all the Impressionist exhibitions but one. So she was really, really, she never returned back to the Salon. She was really convinced that uh, this independent way was the way to follow. And uh, what we see here is a domestic scene. It's a modern life uh, scene as well. The sitter is uh, one of her sisters looking at uh, her baby. So this is also all about this new uh, way of uh, placing uh, the children in the center of the family life, on a very bourgeois family life. So this is also, I mean, this is uh, the, the private part of uh, this modern life that the, the Impressionists wanted to represent in, in, their, in their art. Because Impressionists, artists, are known also to present uh, scenes from theaters, from opera. We see a Degas painting with, uh, on the, uh, in the opera next to us, but also the city. So as we turn our back to the first Impressionist exhibition, we're entering, we're really in the midst actually of Impressionist uh, paintings. And in front of us, the Saint-Lazare railway station, which is a masterpiece from Musée d'Orsay. And 
it's quite striking in the sense of how uh, money worked. So what does it say? What, what are we looking at? And what does it say from his researches uh, at the time? So we are in the very center of the new Paris, the Gare Saint-Lazare uh, railway station, which was built in the, uh, the mid-19th century. Mm. And uh, Monet decided to turn his attention to these very, very new subject matters, which was not deemed to be, uh, you know, artistic. It was considered as a very ordinary and a very vulgar, in a way, uh, subject matter. And what he decided is really to ask for authorization to be able to paint on the spot and to paint into the station. So uh, he, would, he, would, he would set his easel into the station and he uh, made a, several, a series of uh, Garcin Lazar paintings. We have one at the Orsay. This is the only one at the Orsay. Uh, so, so this is really an extraordinary loan to the, to the show. And uh, what is interesting uh, beyond the subject matter is really the, the way he conveys this uh, impression, this mix of smoke, of city views. I mean, uh, the closer you look, the less you see and the exactly. more it's a you stay. I like to do with impressionist painting. The closer you are, the more you are into the materiality of the painting. You only see the colors and only taking a step back, your eye starts to decipher the depth and all of the variety of the motifs that are represented. And here we have uh, a train arriving or departing, we're not sure, the fumes uh, created and the steam created by these movements, some characters scattered around the railways, but mostly we see the big structure, the metallic structure of the railway stations. Yes, the metallic structure is really uh, important and creates a kind of symmetry. It's, it's really well composed, I mean, with according quite strict rules, uh, which is interesting because it's a contrast between, you know, this symmetry and this architecture and uh, the, 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 the shapes of the, uh, of the steams. And uh, in a way, I mean, uh, Monet is making poetry with pollution and with in, in, <laughs> yeah. an industrial reality, which was new and, and shocking for the public of the time. So f moving on from uh, this uh, cityscape, we'll uh, actually encounter some of the inhabitants of the town. Turning to the next section, entitled Modern City, Modern Life, we're looking directly to the painting in front of us by Gustave Caillebot, The Floor Scrapers. And so Stéphane, this painting is showing us these three men working, they are directly on the floor. We can feel their effort. Yes. Uh, and yet there is a strange uh, poetry coming from this painting, maybe because of the use of the light that crosses the room. Well, maybe uh, even an, an harmony, which is established by the, the way Kaibot, who was quite young at the time, composed the painting. Three figures and everything is, is built on this, uh, a group of, uh, of walkers uh, walking eff effectively on, on the floor. And um, uh, for Kaibot, it, it, it was um, a start of such a sort of, of statement. Because the painting was rejected from the Salon of 1875. And it, it, it was like his debut, you know, he, wa he wanted to provoke a kind of shock. And um, that's why uh, we, we see in the front is, is a signature a very big one. It's, yeah, it's quite yes. large. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as an evidence of his ambition. I mean, I'm quite new on the field, but I want to be known. And um, so everything here is meant to, uh, to impress the heart world 
and uh, rejected from the Salon of 1875. It was accepted <laughs> by the Impressionists yeah. the year after, in 1876, okay. during the second uh, Impressionist uh, show. And um, Caillebot became very quickly a collector of Impressionist painting. Um, his collection is the core of the Orsay collection. His uh, passion as a collector is in a way reflected in his way of life that we can have a glimpse on in the painting next to us, which is showing his apartment and Absolutely. some friends. Yes. Uh, yes. It's the basic game, which yes. is uh, from the Louvre Abu Dhabi collection. Mm -hmm. And it shows this interior, this rich interior with these uh, bourgeois men playing a card game, the basic game. And uh, well, were all of the Impressionists as um, wealthy <laughs> as the K-Bot brothers <laughs> that we can see in this painting? Or? Uh, I wanted to be so, uh, but um, it's, it's interesting because alongside, mm. alongside the, the outstanding views of Paris that uh, K-Bot created, he, he was a, a painter of interiors yeah. and his own interiors. Mm. And we, we can follow from painting to painting his, uh, his different location. Uh, here is the family building. Uh, and this is this in the floor scrapers. In the this is a family building. Okay. And <laughs> here is the, the apartment he shared with his brother. In the busy game. And so now we will move on to a next section. We'll cross one that is really dedicated to water as a specific motif in some of the Impressionist works to directly enter a section called uh, Renoir and Seasons are distancing themselves. Sylvie, uh, this title is quite eloquent, it's quite explicit. What is happening for Renoir and Cézanne to distance themselves from the Impressionist groups? So it means that, uh, as we said before, I mean, the artist, uh, the Impressionist artist followed very different paths into uh, throughout the time. We, we, we can group Cézanne and Renoir and, uh, uh, in, in terms of their relationship with the tradition. From the 1880s, they made, they made more and more visible that they wanted to uh, look at uh, the uh, tradition, the history of painting, and they mm -hmm. would Uh, they would give up, in a way, uh, some modern subject matters, or they would treat them, uh, address them in a more uh, classical but very personal way. Maybe we can look at an example by Renoir on the right side. It is um, The Cup of Chocolate by Renoir, and it is an artwork that just joined very recently the Louvre Abu Dhabi collection, and that is unveiled as such for, to the public for the very first time in the exhibition. We're looking at a, a young uh, woman drinking uh, from a, a chocolate cup uh, or uh, using her spoon to, to steer the, the chocolate. She's sitting in a very rich interior with very colorful backgrounds. So what does it say from uh, Renoir's uh, uh, researches uh, at the time? I mean, it says a lot about his researches and it says also a lot about his artistic uh, and his career strategy. Uh, what he decided to show us, it's a, it's a fiction. I mean, this, uh, this young lady uh, is not a, a bourgeois uh, lady. I mean, this is a professional model from a working class background, but she plays the, the bourgeois, uh, bourgeois woman in, in this very wealthy interior. And uh, it's also a pretext for Renoir to play with 
textures and to show his ability to paint a portrait into this very bourgeois setting. At the time, we are in 1878, Renoir took a very uh, radical decision. He decided to give up the Impressionist group and to exhibit uh, this work at the Salon because he was in search of a larger clientele. What followed just after this work was exhibited at the Salon is that Renoir gained a lot of public attention and he received commissions, especially portrait commissions. So he reached his goal, in a yeah, way. Yeah, so it was a successful strategy for him. And uh, if we turn our back to the painting and we look at another uh, strategy, another artist, another take on portrait, we're looking at uh, the woman with the coffee pot by uh, Cézanne. Uh, Stéphane, this painting is in a very different manner than Renoir. Tell us what's the difference here. <laughs> yes, it's very different from the, the former painting in terms of um, uh, formal decisions and, uh, and even in terms of atmosphere. We, we're looking at an older woman. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she's, uh, she's a servant. Uh, and uh, the Cézanne family had many servants. They were wealthy in the in the south of France in Provence, but she's represented as a dignified person. You know, that's, yeah, that's she's really standing straight. Standing, standing there are a lot of straight lines actually through, uh, throughout the painting that gives that imposing look yeah. uh, and, to and the she's figure. Sitting, she's sitting in front of us, um, which is not the, the usual position of a servant, in a way. She's and. Um, and, and, and Cézanne um, was looking for a more uh, severe, you know, pictorial uh, achievement. Uh, the, the, the construction, the composition uh, is, is, a, is a bit abstract. Can we still talk about Impressionism about this painting, though? Or he didn't stand uh, himself so much that he's somewhere else in his different I mean, research? In a way, he never rejected Impressionism as his own experience. Till, till his death, he, he said many, you know, um, uh, positive things about Monet, about Pissarro, especially Pissarro, because he was very, very close to Pissarro. So, but he turned uh, Impressionism into uh, something more personal. Uh, he was used to, to, to saying that, uh, you know, he wanted to be closer to the whole masters, to, in a way to combine modernity with uh, the past lesson. So let's now move on to the next section. It's the, we're reaching the end of our path. This section called uh, the Enduring Water Lilies is dedicated to Monet. And it's very hard to make a choice. In this section, we're full of uh, masterpieces, whether it be um, the view on the parliament uh, in London, whether they are the cathedrals from Rouen. But the one I want to look at is the one right in front of us, um, which is named the Weeping Willow. And indeed, uh, Sylvie, from the Weeping Willow, in this square format, full of colors, it's very hard to see the tree. It's very hard to see this, the tree because, I mean, it's a, uh, we are at the very uh, last years uh, of Monet's life. It's, uh, the work was painted in 1920, 1922, and he died in uh, 1926. At the time, I mean, for, there is a, a quite very basic reason. I mean, he was suffering from uh, eye disease, so he was, at the time, he was he tend to uh, mix colors and to uh, um, 
to prefer uh, using uh, red colors, for instance. So you have you have a kind of explosion of colors, but it, it's also a very deep uh, artistic choice from Monet. So at the time, he was most inspired by his garden in Giverny. Mm -hmm. uh, he created a pond in Giverny, he planted water lilies, uh, which became, as he said himself, uh, an obsession. And there were also willow trees uh, in the garden. So this is what we are looking at. Uh, it's his garden. We started with Monet's garden at the very yes. beginning of the show. <laughs> we end with another garden, a garden which he created in order to paint. So it's, uh, it seems to be abstract because you cannot really see what's going on uh, in the painting. You have this explosion of colors, you have this plays of texture, you have the brush strokes, which is uh, uh, extremely expressive and uh, uh, vigorous. But it's not abstraction in the sense that Monet was really uh, looking at nature and still trying to capture this ever-changing effect of life, of, uh, uh, you know, um, colors, etc. So it's, it's a work that was not intended to be displayed in public, that was not inten intended to, uh, to be uh, sold. So uh, it was something very personal. It was very personal. It, it, it's a part of the process, the creative process of the large water lilies cycle. And talking of water lilies, the exhibition is concluded by an homage by a contemporary artist, uh, Angeletia, to the Claude Monet's uh, water lilies. Uh, Stéphane, can you tell us a little bit about this uh, projection, this installation by Angeletia? Well, yes, Sylvia and I were intended to, uh, to show that there's a continuity, there's a continuity between uh, uh, the late Monet painting and, um, and the present time. And Angelica was, was commissioned to, to do this homage to the Water Lily series. And he, he, he did it in a very uh, moving way. Um, it's really emotional. And um, the, 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 the setting is very sophisticated with moving images, uh, fragmented views of the, the, of the garden of Giverny, where um, uh, Monet settled and um, I mean, created with nature. Not, yes. uh, not you know, in front, but with nature, uh, as Mar Marcel Proust uh, was about to say. And, and so Angelica proposed something very, um, very interesting. It's not just a tribute, it's, it's, it's a way of um, showing that uh, Impressionism is still alive in terms of uh, emulation, a source of new creation. We saw throughout the exhibition that uh, Impressionism had a huge impact on the way that art is conceived, how art is exhibited, the way that they took control over their own exhibition is a, in a way very contemporary because we see in contemporary art, some artists are very strict in the way that they exhibit their work, even the way that they're lit or the picture we can take from them. Uh, for you, what is uh, maybe one of the key heritage of uh, Impressionism until today? art scene, uh, Sylvie, maybe? What a difficult question. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to end with, with, with a contemporary voice, the exhibition. So I would say many, many things can be uh, taken and are still alive uh, today. Uh, I would say maybe uh, the idea of immersion and the idea of including the, the viewer uh, to the, into the 
the painting itself into the composition. It's quite discreet at the beginning of the Impressionist history. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, the way uh, you crop uh, uh, the composition, the framing of the composition, which include you, also the subject matters, which speak directly to you as a viewer uh, in the 19th century. And I would say, specifically for Monet at the end of his life, uh, this idea that you create an environment and a kind of total artwork which include you uh, into the space, into the world of the, the painter. And for you, Stéphane? Well, more, more basically, I, I would say that they, they turn uh, reality into poetry. And, and that's, uh, that's the key. Well, thank you very much to you both, uh, Stéphane Guigrand, Sylvie Patry, for having taken us through this wonderful You're exhibition. Welcome. I'm inviting all of the listeners and the visitors to come and visit or visit again and again this uh, exhibition that uh, will be open until the 5th of February 2023. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can visit the exhibition Impressionism Pathways to Modernity at the Louvre Abu Dhabi from the 12th October 2022 until the 5th of February 2023. This podcast episode was produced by Louvre Abu Dhabi. Our warm thanks go to Sylvie Patry and Stéphane Guégan for their participation and France Museum team for their support. Preparation and recording by Amin Khashash and myself, Marine Botton. Post-production, music and mix by Making Waves. This podcast is also available in Arabic and French on the Louvre Abu Dhabi mobile app and our website louvrabudabi.ae Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.